Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Turn up the radio and sing along. It's time for another great song. This is the Great Song Podcast. Season's greetings. Welcome back to another week of the Great Song Podcast. I'm Rob Alley. I am Joseph Preston Mosier. And we're coming to you uh, studio live, recorded, previously aired live from Music City, USA. That's right. Dunlap, Tennessee. Dunlap. Music no. capital of the world. Just kidding. We are a stone's throw from Nashville, so we're just going to go ahead and call it Music City. If you've got a really good arm. Let's be honest. Wherever we are, that's Music City. Nah, well, well said. Music City lives within you. It follows us. It it's like midi chlorians <laughs> in Star Wars. It binds everything. No, it doesn't. Favorite okay. Star Wars moment. Pick one. Favorite Star Wars moment. Anyone. Oh wow. But, uh, well, let's scratch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, there's just so many. I don't know. Um, let, I'm going to go ahead and say when uh, Darth Vader first appears as Darth Vader, and he yells out, "No." Just kidding. Everybody hates that. That's everybody's least favorite Star Wars moment. How about you? Oh man, I, I was I was gonna go down the Princess Leia Jabba the Hutt thing, but no. Okay. All right. Hey, you know what though? Speaking of worthless gangsters, we're talking about a, a song called "Friends in Low Places" today, and nice uh, accidental. Segue we're so excited. This is I, listen. This is the great song podcast, and we always talk about great songs. Great like, songs. We're not talking about gutter trash music here but among the great songs of the last 30 years i think friends in low places is is maybe in the mount rushmore of just crafted songs that there will are, be no kenny g discussion here no we don't have time for side discussions this week because there's so much goodness to talk about in this song uh if if you were alive in the united states in 1990 you heard this song like somewhere. There was no escaping at it. a Pizza Hut, at at Walmart, at a skating rink, at Walmart, at Walmart, yeah, at Walmart. Yeah. I mean, they played a lot. Probably you heard this in Walmart. People were probably carrying around cassette players and playing this as they shopped at Walmart. It was that popular. Um, Did you have a Kmart? Yeah. Oh yeah, I had a Kmart. Sure. You have uh, Big Lots. Yeah, Big Lots was came later, uh, but Kmart was always there. It was a big rivalry in my hometown. Walmart There's, versus Kmart. Yep, here too. Uh, mine too. Uh, we had, uh, as a matter of fact, I think there's still one Kmart, like, just hanging on there. It's, it's... Uh, Ours just closed a few years ago up here. Oh, man. There's a there's a great um, comedian, actually, from the Nashville area named Nate Bargatze. Uh, if you ever get a chance to check him out, check him out. He's a really funny guy, but he's got this great joke about Kmart. And he's like, why does, why does Kmart always look like... Like, you go in Kmart and it's always like, are you, are you guys open? <laughs> Like it looks like where you go to buy stuff for other stores that are trying to open. It's oh, just mostly good. shelves and awesome. like dim lights. Like, should you turn on all the lights or <laughs> like anyway? Um, so immediately after saying we're not going to get into side discussions, oh, man, we did it again. We totally did it again. Our Kmart's now in Kroger. <clears throat> My friend calls it K Rogers. You ever heard anybody call a Kroger a K Rogers? No. Yeah. She's like, I'm going to go down to K Rogers. What are you talking about? Is this Kenny Rogers? Like she says this ironically no, or seriously? No, she calls it K Rogers. She thinks Kroger is called K Rogers. Wow. Yeah. That okay. is shocking. Yeah. That's shocking. Her name's me. Erica. There you go. Okay. Hi, Erica. Hey, Erica, I'm going to go ahead and tell it's you Kroger. you're wrong. It's Kroger. JP might not have the guts. So I won't. We're good friends. You're but dead Kroger, wrong. But it's a Kroger. It's Kroger, Erica. Get with the program. Okay. So let's talk about friends in low places here. Uh, it was made popular. By, of course, uh, a young up-and-comer named Garth Brooks. You may have heard of him. Uh, he is only among the most popular entertainers Not to be confused with time. Chris Gaines. Not to be... Don't you confuse him with Chris Gaines. Actually, I'm going to go on the record and say I really enjoyed the Chris Gaines album. I appreciate what he tried to do. And it that makes failed. one of us at this table. <laughs> it failed epically. But you know what? He was trying to 
He was trying to carry the torch from David Bowie. He lost me at the box cover. Oh man, yeah, the album cover. The cover was bad. The he was just not the right guy for it. Um, but you know what? There was some there was some decent stuff on that album. Uh, we'll maybe we'll one day uh, do so many songs that all that's left is the Chris it's Gaines the Chris project. Um, okay, so friends in low places. Let's get into it. Written uh, by Dwayne Blackwell uh, and Earl Bud Lee. If Earl Bud Lee doesn't sound like a country music songwriter, I don't know what does. Actually, on the inside liner notes, they call him Earl of Bud Lee. Are you serious? Yeah, it's pretty. Earl pretty, of Bud Lee. Like Earl of Interesting. Something. Like he's the Earl of Sandwich yeah. or the Earl of yeah. the Duke of whatever. He's That's Earl cool. of Bud Lee. Yeah. Um, so uh, a little bit about them. Dwayne Blackwell actually also wrote uh, the song Mr. Blue, which was a hit in uh, previously, uh, 50s or 60s for some uh, for for a group, um, but also track nine. But also of no fences recorded also by Garth on no fences. Um, three minutes and sixteen seconds long. Three sixteen. Interesting. I actually feel shorter than that. It feels like it kind of moves along. Um, and Earl Bud Lee has has written uh, tons of stuff over the years. Uh, he wrote uh, "Who Are You When I'm Not Looking" for Blake Shelton, um, and uh, he's written just a bunch of bunch of stuff uh, since "Friends in Low Places." But anytime you've got friends in low places on your resume, it doesn't really matter what else you've written. You're like, set. You're, you are set and revered as a songwriter for the rest of your life. Uh, it was released August 6th, 1990 as the lead single for Garth Brooks' second album, No Fences. His first album was called uh, Garth Brooks. And it, it, you know, sort of gained him some popularity. It had songs like The Dance, uh, you know, a little bit of that. Uh, if Tomorrow um, Never Comes. If Tomorrow Never Comes, Much Too Young. Um, Alabama Clay, Alabama Clay, <laughs> but it's no fences that really shot him to the top of the stratosphere uh, and and cemented him immediately as an all time great and country artist. Even let's just talk for a second. I know we're I know we're focused on songs here, but just consider the track list of this album. No fences. Uh, just from the start, you had the Thunder Rolls. Thunder Rolls, yes. Uh, New Way to Fly, which, okay, is not a hit. It's not super well-known. It, it's fine. Three three picks it up a bit, though. Three picks it up. You've got Two of a Kind Working on a Full House, which was a huge smash hit. First time I read it, I thought it said Two of a Kind Working on a Full Horse. Working on a Full Horse, man. That would have been an entirely different song. You know, I, Could have used I the same album cover. It's, it scares me to actually think about uh, what the content of that song might have been. Then you've got, if you've never heard the song Victim of the Game, you need to go listen to it. It's going to rock your world. It was not a single, um, but it, it's, an, it's an incredible song. Great emotion in that song. Then you get to Friends in Low Places, uh, Wild Horses, which is just sort of a standard cowboy. Follow-up to working on a full horse. He, he, <laughs> yes, working on a full horse and then Wild Horses. You know, he, uh, This was still when country music even though it wasn't really sung by cowboys anymore, you know, it's not Marty Robbins anymore, <laughs> uh, but they're still singing songs about like rodeo life, you know? Uh, and even, even on the he album has, after yeah, this, has Garth a had the song rodeo. Yeah. rodeo. And, and honestly, uh, wild horses is, is about a guy who's, you know, I, I keep having to leave to, to go do this rodeo. It's basically the precursor to rodeo. Um, but also a very good song, and then unanswered that, prayers. That's probably that's that's a goodie. I mean, that's, that's top five Garths of mine. My goodness, good story. And then you've got Mister Blue, which it was written by this uh, Dwayne Blackwell, and then uh, Wolves, which I, I could take or leave. It's I'm sure it means something to somebody, but uh, you know whatever. And then I think the re-release of this album had an extra bonus track. Um, I only called, have the original here. I, I think it was called uh, "This Ain't Tennessee" or something like that, but. Uh, I've, I've never honestly listened to the, um, extended version of this album, but a great album front to back. This was my, you know, I'm nine years old, I guess when this, when this album comes out. Um, and so this one followed by the next two followed by rope in the wind and, uh, the chase were the Garth albums of my era. Um, and <laughs> after that I was kind of done with country music. You remember which ones you like off the chase? Oh man, uh, it, it started with "We Shall Be Free." We shall be free. Uh, yeah. You know, it's got it, Dixie Chicken on there. His Cookie. version of Dixie Chicken is so great. He sings the whole thing as a drunk character. He sings the song like he's drunk and sells it so well in a way that only he and Billy Joel really can do. Do you like his like, "Walking After Midnight"? 
I'm walking after midnight. I, I don't care. I do love fine. that summer though. That's my favorite. That song summer's an incredible song. Uh, anyway, if you've never if you've never listened to these albums, uh, you know, do it. Even if you're not a country music fan, uh, go listen to these albums. My uh, I used to have a friend, and we once taught a uh, a songwriting class called "Everything I Need to Know About Songwriting." I learned from the Garth Brooks box set because his his early albums, especially for me, are so good. They teach you everything there is about how to craft a tight song. Um, one of my favorite things about Friends in Low Places is, you know what, first, let's, let's take a listen. It, yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's a listen, a little bit of uh, Friends in Low Places by Garth Brooks. Check it out. Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your blind tie affair. The last one to know, the last one to show I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you said, honey, we may be thrilled, but you'll never care me complain. Cause I got friends in all places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Slip on down to the oasis So I've got a friend In low places Okay, so I'm just going to First of all uh, The first line of this song The first line of the lyric Is blame it all on my roots I showed up in boots And ruined your black tie affair That is how you set up a song you immediately know this is what's going on. These are the main characters. And here's the perspective of the narrator. It's like, it's about to go down. <laughs> you know, immediately that like the, the use, the use of the phrase black tie affair there is so genius because it says it, 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 it immediately, you know, this is a blue collar guy that his lady is stepping out on him with a high class, you know, a highfalutin, you know, jerk, uh, and they're out shipping, sh- shipping champagne. <laughs> uh, they're, you know, she's trying to, she's trying to live it up and get a piece of the good life with this other guy, and and he's just walked into their date at the fanciest restaurant in town, getting dirt on the floor with his boots because he just got home from the rodeo. And how could you? And his Wrangler jeans. How dare you? His Wrangler jeans. Him and Brett Favre have been out there just... <laughs> Wrangler talk. butts drive me nuts. Crazy <laughs> about the jeans you're wearing. Hope you don't mind me staring. Oh, man. So, it's just an incredible setup to this song. You know exactly yeah, where Brett it's Favre headed. Brett Favre reference is really good, by the way. I, I mean, jumped all over that. But it, it just... it's It just... A great song. The lyric to a great song keeps you focused on the hook. It the And the, and the hook, if you're not a songwriter... You know, unfamiliar with the term. the The hook is the 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 part of the chorus that really drives the message home. It's it's the part that you want people to remember. The focus of the song. It's the hook, um, and a, and a good a good lyric continuously points to the hook. Uh, it may not restate it, but it's it just is dancing around it for the whole three four minutes of a good song. Um, and this, in that regard, is one of the most tightly written songs I have ever heard because the whole thing never strays. From this, from this, um, this juxtaposition of high class, uh, you know, penthouse suite life versus muddy boots, farm life, yeah, farm life, cowboy life, um, and so the, the first, the first line just just sets the whole thing off. Um, so the, the song spent four weeks at number one. Um, it won the CMA and ACM awards for single of the year being a Nashville, uh, being an adopted Nashvillian. Do you know the difference between the Academy of country music 
and the Country Music Academy. Oh, man, I don't. I, I have no idea. Like, literally, it's like MTV. There was another, uh, you know, company that wanted to start a music television channel, so they started TVM. Yeah, and it's kind of like at the Bridgestone every year, they have the CMA Awards, the CMT Awards. I don't know which one's the <laughs> yeah. television, but I don't know who I'm showing up to see, but yeah. it's a... Uh, yeah, I know well, the difference in radio and television, but I don't ever know <laughs> which one I'm. Well, Garth won it all. Uh, he, I, I, honestly, I'm surprised that it only spent four weeks at number one. Uh, this was such a huge, massive hit. I'm really surprised that it only did four weeks at number one. Um, so, before we really, really, really dig in and break down the song, let's talk about the story of the song. It's pretty interesting how it happened. Um, do you want to, you want to start? You got sure, some I'll start. I took a, uh, I took one of the trolley tours. I should have wrote down the, the exact trolley tour I took in Nashville. Being a Nashvillian, um, if you're ever in the area, take one of those hop on, I think it may just be called the hop on trolley. You can go around and they'll tell you all about the history of the different buildings and everything. But right there on music row, uh, there's a, uh, kind of a pub type place called the tavern. And, uh, it's, it's led to believe that that's where, uh, Dwayne, the aforementioned Dwayne Black, Blackwell and Bud Lee, um, we're having having a lunch one day, and uh, they went to pay at the end, and, and Budley realized that he didn't have any money, but he said, it's okay, I have friends in low places, I know the cook. So that was kind of the, the idea behind it, and they joked about it, and later they were at a party, and they jotted down these ideas on a napkin, and uh, they asked Brooks to write the, you know, to record the demo, and from there is kind of how it goes, but that's kind of the backstory um, yeah. that I and that goes as a lesson for all you songwriters out there. Inspiration may strike at any moment. Uh, always try to have something with you. You know, they had this idea and they knew like, okay, we need to write this song. The inspiration wasn't, they couldn't do it right then, but they held on to it. And, and then when the moment was right, they just started writing stuff down on napkins. Like we got to do this right now. Cause the, you know, it's, it's right there in the air. And they finished this song that literally changed their lives. Uh, you know, and uh, one of them yeah. knew another restaurant too called the Oasis. Yep. I, I was, you may know a little bit more about that. I was wondering, obviously, it rhymes better with chases, it does, and graces. And uh, what I actually, what I read said that it was uh, that the that the term Oasis was added by one of the band members, I think. Oh, okay, uh, it was a it yeah, was a, maybe that's right. A restaurant from uh, from where he lived, yeah. And man, can you talk about can you talk about good for business? Heck like, yeah, let's go down to the Oasis. Right. My gosh, if I'm a bar owner, I'm going to change my name. Like, I'm going to change my name every couple of years to match whatever bar name is popular in music. You know what I mean? Um, if they'd only write a good song about crystals. Man. Oh, man. Come on. Yeah. So anyway, so yes, the Oasis got massive business because of this song. Um, this song was actually leaked early um, by Garth Brooks's mom. Did you hear this? <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, so... Garth's mom uh, accidentally leaked the song to an Oklahoma radio station. Um, and I don't know if it was in an interview or if she just sent it to them. I, I'm not sure exactly, but she gave them the song before it was supposed to be released. And it caused this big uproar, like people demanding to hear the song where how, I got to have this now immediately, this frenzy. And so it actually caused them to rush production of the single and the subsequent album. Uh, they released it earlier than, than was intended because of the demand for the song that Garth's mom leaked. So, huh. thanks Garth's mom. <laughs> um, it was also recorded uh, around the same time. Okay, so Garth had done some demos uh, for the guys who wrote the song. He had met them uh, when he was a shoe salesman yeah, in Nashville. In Nashville. Yeah, and, uh, and so they liked him and they thought, you know, let's help this guy out. And so they, he had done some demos for some of their songs. Um and when they they gave him friends in low places to do, um, his first album was already they'd already finished recording it. They were in the process of of actually putting it out. It was too late to add anything else to it, so it couldn't go on the first album. So they they said they would save it for him so that he could put it on his second album. Um, it's kind and, of tough to follow up the dance with that too. It doesn't yeah, really fit. Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily would have would have fit the first album. Would would probably you know may not have been the same impact. Um, but a, a month after Garth's album came out, this song was covered uh, also by a guy named Mark Chestnut. Who, you, if you're if you're familiar with '90s country, you may remember Mark Chestnut. Uh, he had the album uh, and the song uh, "Too Cold at Home," uh, "Too Hot to Fish," "Too Hot for Golf." 
to call it home. Ladies and gentlemen, Mark Chestnut visiting hey, us here. We had wow. Shaggy last week. We got uh, Man, Mark the, Chestnut this the week. The guests just keep on, keep on coming. Um, and so I, I have a question for you because that it came out at the same time, basically in the same context, and there is very little difference, you know, in the in the sound of the songs. Uh, Garth is maybe a little bit more raucous, you know. He had the big gang vocals and you know, bar full of people singing along. Um, but do you think this song is is so good that it wouldn't have mattered who put it out first? If Mark Chestnut had gotten there first, do you think his would have been the same hit to the same degree as Garth's? I'm going to go with no because I'm a firm believer that certain songs are meant for certain people. Mm. Like if certain people record certain, it'll it can take off like like nothing. But if other people do it, it just goes flat like that. This one, although it's a great song, I can only picture it as Garth. I've never heard Mark Chestnut's version. If it's even out there, yeah, it's uh, out there. Um, so I can't visualize it as. It, what's your thoughts on it? Are you the opposite I, that the song is that good? I, you know, I don't think it would have been as big. Like it might have still been a hit because it's that you know it's that well done of a song. And Mark Chestnut was fine. He was you know he was already good established in and, his own right. Uh, actually, no, it was his debut album. Oh, it was so, his first one. Yeah, so uh, it was uh, you know it would have been. Dude, how much does he hate Garth Brooks? Dude? Right? Like, how much does he hate Garth Brooks' mom? <laughs> dude, he's got true. some good your mom jokes. He could have beat him to the finish line if Garth's dude, mom hadn't leaked that. that song. Isn't that crazy? And no offense to you, Dwayne Blackwell and Buddy Lee or Bud Lee, but I, I mean, it's Garth's, I, in my opinion, what made it and what made it so good. But yeah, I, I think it might have been a might have been a hit on its own either way. But I think Garth's, you know, Garth Brooks has this ability, and I mentioned Billy Joel earlier. Uh, who who also does this, and I think I think Garth kind of draws on Billy Joel. You know, they've done a lot of stuff together, and sort of learned this from him, if you ask me. Um, an ability to sort of be a chameleon as the narrator of a song. So if a song is about a certain thing, depending on the subject matter, depending on the mindset of the character singing the song, depending on that character's um, uh, you know background and origin, they'll sing the song a different way. Uh, you know, Jim Croce do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's just adding a little bit more spice. You know, one more reason to like the song is that it feels authentic because they put the thought into like, okay, if I was I'm that guy, guy. yeah, I'm, I'm becoming this, the, yeah. the, you know, this character. It's not just Garth Brooks singing a song. It's I'm Garth Brooks and my wife is stepping out with some jerk. And, I'm going to show up and take a champagne. Yeah. yeah they, uh, okay, we'll flip it back then. You asked the question about the song. Is No Fences strong enough to stand on its own without this song on there? I think so. Okay. I think it still would have been a great album. You still had Two of Kind working on Full House. You had um, The Thunder Rolls, which yeah. was a Th- huge song. I think the album would have been huge regardless. But the, But this song took over the world and absolutely put Garth at the top of the country music uh, you know, I mean, this song just was on every radio station every second of, of every day. Um, it's probably still playing somewhere every second around right now. the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, so an amazing song. The lyric on this song is so tight. It, it can't really be overstated. Like every line of every verse is pointing back to this idea. Um, is there anything you don't like about the song? Anything at all. Because I have something that I don't like. Oh, please tell me. I'll give a a thing. I I hate the way he sings the word in at the end of that ivory tower that you're living in. Yeah. Because I'm like, is he saying in? Is he saying on? Is he trying to be too vocally correct? Yeah. The ending of that. Let's take a listen. Okay. Listen to the way he sings the end of this line. Hey, I didn't mean to cause a big scene. Just give me an hour and then. I'll be as high as that ivory tower that you're living in. What yeah. the heck is that? I kind of feel what you. What the heck? That doesn't, that doesn't deter me from the song. Like, I've never thought, man, I hate that. But I have noticed that even as a kid, I was like, why do you do that? How do you spell that? Like, I think, <laughs> I think it's one of those things that maybe that note fell in a weird spot in his range. 
And so if he had said, if he had pronounced it in, it probably would have come off really nasally. So it would have gone, you're living in. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so I think it's just he's trying to open his mouth a little bit and make it more full. But it is kind of weird. The masses. Yeah, I don't like that. But on the, on the other end, some, what's your favorite? Do you have a favorite moment in the song? A favorite? I can give you mine. Yeah. I love the second chord. Yeah. The second chord. That was the first cool chord I learned to play on acoustic guitar. Yeah. That was like the one that I sat down. I was like, okay, I'm going to learn Friends in Low Places. What in the world is that second chord? So let's look at the chord real quick. So we're in the key of A. If you're a musician uh, playing along at home, we're in the key of A major. And what that second chord is, so we're going from A major, and eventually we're going to land on a B minor chord. Um, but we're using a, a transition chord to get there. And that's going to be a diminished chord. It's a B flat diminished chord. Uh, I believe it is a B flat fully diminished. If B you flat want to get... diminished seven. Okay, so that is a that would be a uh, B flat fully diminished, which means that all the notes in the chord are a step and a half apart. It's like minor third over minor third over minor third over minor third. Okay, don't if you're not a if you're not a music theory person, don't run away. We're almost done. But if uh, you are, keep smiling. But if you are, this is for you, baby. Um, so that B flat. Uh, chord it just gives a really that is, is it's a cool chord shape you've heard that chord if you've ever heard like old scary organ music they use it for like scary scenes when the when the old black and white villain is tying the damsel to the railroad tracks you hear that that weird uh, diminished chord so that's what that is if you never knew that um, and it it has the same effect if you're talking about music theory uh a, a B-flat uh, diminished chord of that kind has the same effect as an F-sharp 7 chord over its own third. So if you had a, or a G-flat 7, F-sharp, either one, whatever you want to call it, over a B-flat, uh, it would actually have the same effect. So in, and that is how, uh, I'm trying to get off on, not to get off on a huge music nerd rant, but uh, but it basically becomes a five one transition to a B minor chord. If you're in the key of B minor, your five chord would be an F sharp seven. Uh, so all it's really doing is giving you that five chord over its own third, which would be the B flat. That makes sense. I, I'm nodding. Uh, you're yes, nodding. I, I'm writing as we go. I'm <laughs> JP's drawing taking diagrams. Notes. This is this is good stuff right here. <laughs> so anyway, okay. Music theory uh, nerdness over for the moment. Um, Otherwise, it's a pretty simple song. Chorus is pretty simple. No yeah. cool chords on the chorus. Yeah. Just uh, you get, but 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 that chord does help draw you in. It goes. It's it's something interesting for your ear. Um, and it's something if you sit down and you play those two chords right back to back, everybody knows what song you're playing. Absolutely. So you don't play that after that and not do friends in low places. As a matter of fact, on the uh, on Garth's double live album, he starts by just playing the first four notes of the A chord. Boom, 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 boom. And pauses, and everybody goes bananas because they know what's coming. It doesn't even take. He could have been tuning his guitar with an A chord, and we're like, <laughs> and what? he might have been, and he might have been. been. Oh, gotta but do this. Everybody knew immediately what was about to happen, so he literally starts the song over because they just the crowd takes over and erupts. Have you ever seen Garth live? Um, no, no, I have twice, twice, twice. Okay, now correct me if I'm wrong. You've seen Garth Brooks in person, but not in concert. By mistake, right? By, One by, time. The first time I went to see him, um, I was going to see him. I was excited. It was um, it was a Loretta Lynn tribute at the Ryman Auditorium, and I'm not a huge Loretta Lynn fan. No offense, Loretta, but I am a Garth fan, and it was it was him and uh, the four. We mentioned Kid Rock one other time. I wasn't going to see Kid Rock. It was Kid Rock. No offense, Kid. It was Kid Rock, Jack White. And Garth Brooks. Wow. And I was like, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And uh, yeah, Kid Rock did three or four, if you call them songs. Jack White got up and spoke. Garth Brooks talked and did like one or two songs. It was, and they weren't even Garth songs. They were Loretta Lynn. Loretta Lynn songs. Covers. But wow. I have seen Garth. Li oh, actually, ironically enough, highlight of my, I don't know if I told you this. I met Garth that night. Behind the Ryman. That's what I'm talking. Okay, yeah. that's the yeah. story I'm thinking. So of. same same night, um, I actually met him um, behind there. Super nice guy. And the only thing I knew to say was, "You're Garth Brooks," and he was like, "Yes." And then he got bombarded, and I didn't even get my moment. No photo. No. I actually, for those of y'all that know me, I still carry a flip phone. So I had my flip phone and had my moment to snap a picture with Garth, but it was a flip phone and it didn't turn out. 
Um, and then oh. I'm, and then, yeah, it's awful. So it's of the side of the ramen and a random hat. Um, <laughs> so a cowboy hat. So I, people believe that it was Garth, but it wasn't even Garth's hat. But, um, and then I met, uh, Jamie Johnson after that. He's like, should have seen yeah. it in color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same, same night behind there. Right. Um, so yeah, Garth Brooks, but I have seen him live on a good, like on a good, a Garth Brooks show. I, I went and saw him do, he is, a. Being the philanthropist and the amazing man that he is, he did a free show at uh, the Ascend. I mean, yeah, at the Ascend Amphitheater in uh, in Nashville, and I was fortunate to get to go to see Garth for free, and That's awesome. it was awesome. One of the highlights of my life is seeing him do two pina coladas live, and the crowd go ballistic. It was Interesting. Awesome. But we have a friend named Debs. Debs in Peru. If you're out there. We will sing a, a, a version of two pina coladas later. It's is, one of my I, wife's best friends. I, that's interesting to me. I guess it's kind of a Jimmy Buffett effect. Yes, like it just caught with caught on with the caught right crowd. Yeah, and it was it went nuts because that's so, not a song I care about. Yeah, it, that well, wouldn't be in my top twenty five, thirty. Garth I like songs. it. It's well, I, it's I like it, but um, but yeah, it was it was definite high point of the evening was them singing two pina coladas. It was very interesting. Very interesting. Um, so. Yeah, like pull up the lyric on this song, read it, like study this lyric. If you're a songwriter, look at every single way. Okay, blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots, ruined your black tie affair. Genius. That's my favorite part of the entire song. Last one to know, last one to show. Uh, I was the last one you thought you'd see there. I saw the surprise, the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, and then here's where the turn is. Like, it, honestly, you think he's going to punch this guy in the nose. Right, you think this this gruff, you know, cowboy uh, has come into this thing to win back the love of his life. Yeah, and he's gonna lay this guy out in the middle of a fancy restaurant. Nah, he takes he takes this guy's champagne, and instead of breaking the glass over the guy's head, he's like, you know what? Have fun. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I'm gonna be okay. I'm headed down to the oasis. You can catch me down there when this guy's when this guy's done with you. You know, you can find me down at the bar and I'll be just fine. Yeah. You know why? Because I got friends in low places. Such a great turn on a phrase that everybody's familiar with. It's one of those things where occasionally if you're a writer, you'll hear a song and it'll have an amazing hook that's that's a play on a phrase that everybody knows. And you go, how did somebody not think of that sooner? How did somebody not come up with that hook until, you know, 1990? How, like, it's such... Of all a, the country writers out there. And yeah, the, I mean, everybody's everybody's singing about bars and drinking and whatever. How did Johnny Cash not write this song? Exactly. Johnny Cash, George Jones, somebody should have written this song before 1990. Something, I, I, something, something was being held back for Garth you know, in the cosmos in order for this song to be, to be made. Um, because with a phrase as ubiquitous as, you know, friends in high places, like somebody should have turned that around before 1990. That's all I'm saying. It's amazing. Um, but the, but the concept is, is just so great. Like, I, you know what? I'm going to be fine with all my blue collar friends. We don't need you. I don't need you. You know what? This, this, like, if this breaks my heart, you're not going to know it because I'm going to be so buzzed that I'm going to be <laughs> just beyond, you know, any sort of heartbreak. Uh, so you've got this great lyric. I've got friends in low places where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. Come on. <laughs> like, I'm OK. First of all, I need to say I don't recommend that <laughs> as a personal lifestyle choice. Like, I'm not I'm not condoning the drowning of your sorrows with alcohol. But as a songwriter, come on. That's so good. Like, geez Louise. That's a songwriter's high hearing a line like that. Like, whatever. Okay, and then uh, you know, the rest of the chorus is is good. It's it doesn't live up to that line, but it's it's very good. I'll slip on down to the oasis, all you know, all that business. Um but Another thing you'll notice for the songwriters out there uh, is what the melody does when when he sings the word low. Like this is a thing that if you ever have a chance to include this in a song, you should because it helps get the get the thing across. What does the melody do when he sings? I've got friends in 
It goes lower. It goes low. I got friends in low places. Like it really sells the line by the use of this, you know, creative melody. Um, and he's a pretty broad range of this song. Listen, I broke it down. Like what's the low note of the song in the high note? Okay. Or, so this is a surprisingly rangy song. It's sneakily. God's rangy. not known for range. He's no Mariah Carey, but yeah. let's hear this. Okay. So this song covers two octaves plus one whole step. Wow. So we're in the we're in the key of A. a. Okay. So, it's so we've got low note. I've got friends in low places, is which is a low, a low A. Okay. Okay. Where the whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. And this is the really low note of the song. And I'll be I don't even have that note. It's a low E. Okay. So that's an that's an E below that low A. And then your high note is also in the chorus. Oh, uh, I'm not big on social graces. We slip on down to the oasis. So that's going to be an F sharp if you're in the key of A. <clears throat> so you're talking about from the low E, two octaves up, plus one more whole step to get to that F sharp. Okay, so for comparison, the notoriously rangy national anthem of the United States, the Star Spangled Banner is notoriously difficult because of the because of the the range that you have to be able to have to pull it off right, that's an octave and a fifth. That's six whole steps fewer than, or that's a sixth, no, not six whole no, steps. Six, six. It is a sixth lower, fewer, smaller than the range of friends in low places. How about that? You ever heard a really bad national anthem? Oh yeah. What's the one that immediately? It's Carl Lewis. Lewis. Yes, yes, Carl Lewis. That's awesome. Oh man, no offense, Carl. Fast runner, great at running. If you don't remember Carl Lewis, nineteen nineteen ninety two Olympics. I don't know. uh, Late eighties, early nineties, U.S. Olympian, fantastic. May have had world records, gold medals at the time. Sang sang the national anthem at an NBA game. It was a basketball game, yeah. Oh, it's Man, so bad. It's look it up. Do yourself a favor. Look up Carl Lewis national anthem. Do it. Look it up on YouTube. Uh, it is well worth your time. It's it's worth a save. Uh, he gets <laughs> he gets to the high note and, and he's literally already he's already yeah it's it's, 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 it's bad. not any good to begin with. He's not a singer, um, but he says um, he goes and the rockets. And he doesn't have, and then he says, he says, uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, uh oh. And then, like, it's the national anthem. Like, listen, the national anthem is a a hot topic of controversy right now. If you want to talk about disrespecting the national anthem, ladies and gentlemen, Carl Lewis took a big fat poo on the national anthem. (laughs) He gets to the last line, he he literally has the nerve to say this. He goes, I'm gonna make it up to you now. <laughs> this guy says, I'm gonna make it up to you now. And he goes, and then he tries and realizes he doesn't have it, changes the melody. Uh, or the land of the free. <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I don't know. It was a big deal in the early 90s when like Roseanne sang the yeah. national anthem and gave it a crotch grab at the end and spit Nothing on the ground. The Carlos, I don't know which of those two things were more disrespectful. The girl that fell on the ice, have you seen that? If you're oh, saying, man. That's a pretty bad one, too. My parents, so many. Heard, my parents heard Steven Tyler do it at a race and said that he started high. Like he started way mm. too high and just never recovered. But nothing tops the, the Carlos. Anyway, Carlos, back, back on track. All time bad. Uh, anyway, okay, so. So this is a, a sixth more rangy is what we were talking about than even the national anthem. Now let me let me put this in even more perspective for the range of a different song that's popular and everybody knows. Take on me by Aha. Uh-huh. Great video. On me, yeah, I weird, love that video. great video. That song covers a whopping two octaves and a fifth in the chorus alone. So from the opening note to the last note the of the gone chorus is only. So it's, in a, in you've a day. got, take, is oh, your low note, okay. on mm-hmm. me, there's one octave, mm-hmm. then take me on, I'll be gone. But that's two note. octaves. In a day or two. That's your, that's two octaves and a fifth. That is the greater part of three octaves just in the melody of that song. Okay. That is the rangiest pop song that I know of before you start getting into Mariah Carey okay. and whistle yeah. tones and that kind of stuff. Like. Uh, there's probably some some 
some female vocalists out there who have topped that somewhere along the line. But I'm I'm guessing they're probably using, if not some serious Assistance. acapella, some some whistle tones. Um, wow. That's that's about as much as you're going to find in a in a pop song that everybody knows. So yes, surprisingly rangy. You don't think, oh, what a great range Garth Brooks has. Like nobody goes, man, Garth Brooks killer range. But shocking. But you know what? I guess because mainly the strength of the range is on the lower parts. Mm-hmm. Like, cause the, the right, the, it's not that the, the, the high notes high are crazy notes are high. Stupid high. It's just the B note, yeah, which is an E. Yeah, he's hitting, he's hitting some baritone low. down there. Wow, yeah, it's good really, call. I like that. I mean, it's really surprising. I got a sixth comparison. Like as you're talking about, yeah, sixth inning Kansas City Royals games. Yes, they play this song every sixth inning of Kansas City Royals games. You Isn't know, that? weird. That's yeah, with. Uh, with video introductions, he apparently makes, he makes different videos. Yeah, Garth does. I don't like. I think that's cool. I don't understand why. I, I don't know the connection either. I don't know the parallel. I'm a for those of y'all out there that don't know me, um, you should know me. But yeah. uh, I am a big follow at Penny Trader Ten nah, on Twitter. No, I'm a I am a big baseball fan. I've been to every major league baseball park, and Kaufman is a great experience, which is where the Royals play. So it was fortunate that I got to go with my wife and her family and experience a game there. And actually. At the time when I was singing "Friends in Low Places," I did not realize that that was a week or a gamely um, occurrence, like the gamely, uh, gamely? maybe yeah. not the right word. Oh, frequent occurrence. Do you have a Do you have a favorite recurring baseball song? Like the Yankees play, uh, oh, man. you know, New sweet York, Caroline. New York. You got to sweet Caroline, sweet Caroline in Boston. In Boston, that's the uh, the Yankees play sweet. Uh, nope. <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> Nope. All Red Sox fans just stop listening to it. <laughs> the uh, the Yankees play uh, New York, New York at the end of every game. If they win, they play the Frank Sinatra version. If they lose, they play the Liza Minnelli version. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's a cool cool fact. I yeah. never. Um, I, and so the the Braves. We went to a Yankees game. We yeah. went to a Yankees game Old together. Old Yankee Stadium. And sat in. In the right, right field, field bleachers. bleachers, the non-alcoholic section, Amazing. which we found out later is the section that a people just already came tanked to, like they were just was R.I.P. Old Yankee Stadium. Yes, this was Old Yankee. Yes, Stadium. Old yes, Old Yankee Stadium. Uh, so people just showed up already plastered in in this section of Yankee Stadium. But what we didn't realize is that at the time we were there, we thought, man, these guys are rowdy. It was a group of people. They had these group chants, and they would. They Bang would annoy the, the players gun, gun, gun. until they until the players turned around and acknowledged them Brady one by Anderson. one. Uh, Brady Anderson was playing for the Orioles at the time, and they were merciless on him. Uh, and they had these intricate things that they did throughout the game. Well, what we didn't realize is this is a group that became known as the Bleacher Creatures. Uh, and you can if you we look just up, happened to get to sit right in the middle of them. in in sort of the the genesis of their run. Uh, it was incredible the the levels of rudeness that they came up with. I mean, I really had to tip my hat to those guys. Um, they they they. I'll just say this: if we're talking about songs, these guys went out of their way to make their own version of the YMCA song. Oh yes, called "Why Are You Gay?" and singled out an Orioles an Orioles fan. This poor guy. They, they start playing YMCA over the house PA system and they literally stand up and surround this guy and they sing their own fully fleshed out version of the YMCA uh, to this man, pointing and yelling. In derogatory fashion. Oh man, just giving this guy the rundown. Um, but some highlights too. They were also, they knew every umpire's name. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, they, you know, did the Derek Jeter clap, 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 clap. First clap. time I'd ever heard that. I don't know if they originated Bernie that. Bernie Williams clap, 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 clap. But they went through every single player. And when, when the Yankees were in the field, went through every single player until that player turned around and, and, pointed and, and acknowledged, acknowledged them. Tipped their hat. And they did the same thing with the umps. I mean, it'd be like, you know, Curtis, Clevens, clap, 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 clap. <laughs> and you get the turning point from the umps. And oh, it's like, man. man, we even have the umps on our side. So. Points for creativity yeah, to those guys, uh, if nothing else. But they, I mean, they were songwriters in their own right, you know. I don't think we'll be covering that song uh, <laughs> on the Great Song Podcast. <laughs> um, but it, let me tell you. It was really something. It was uh, it was pretty graphic. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were they're spelling out words yeah, and, yeah. and everything, man. Yeah. It was. Uh, well, we'll bring whew. it back around to some some goodness here. Anyway, we'll do a shortened version of Meet the Band. You know what? Just let's, for, for yes. time's sake, let's, let's meet the band. Let's meet the band. Meet the band. Meet one the of my band. one of my favorite parts. Um, we're just going to highlight one band member and then just talk about some background vocalists. Uh, the only and the reason is not for. I love this section. It's always my favorite part. But on the inside liner notes of this No Fences album, there are about 323 musicians listed. Not really, <laughs> but there's a ton. Yeah. And it doesn't say who plays on what song. So so as not to take credit away from one of these guys and as not to over-credit someone, the only person that I know played on this is the drummer because he's the only drummer listed on here, which is Milton Sledge. Um, and, and ter- I mean, like, acoustic guitarists, there's five of them listed, multiple bass players, multiple guitar players. Tons of vo- the background vocalists are, one, there's a page and a half of them. Um, there is, ironically enough, an Al Shaggy Barclay, another Shaggy really? reference. Yeah. Um, but the vocalists that I do want to highlight um, are Dwayne Blackwell, the writer, yeah. is actually a background vocal, as is Earl of Budley and uh, Sandy Brooks, which Garth puts the misses so proudly in yeah. here. And she is no longer the missus because Garth is now with Trisha Yearwood. Well, so for those of y'all that don't know Trisha Yearwood, she is a I enjoy Trisha Yearwood music. She and those those people are all included on the from the from about the from the about the second chorus on, I guess it is. Yeah, the, there's all a, the gang vocals. A literally, a bar full of people being rowdy in the background. Which, if you've never been a part of a gang vocal experience, it's awesome. It's great. It's it's awesome. It really it's it's there's really. A, there's a guy in the in the background yelling "Push Marie" because his wife was in labor uh, <laughs> at the time, and you know it's just great. I mean, it really felt like they they really went to a bar and and recorded this thing. But it adds to the atmosphere of the song. Like it's just another great thing about the song is they went the extra mile to make it feel right. You That's know, good. like. Like, not only do I have these friends in I'm gonna low bring places, them. I brought them to I'm the studio. Come on in here. We're, we're all just moving on from you together right now. Come on up here, Rusty Race Horse Jones. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just grab that one out of nowhere. Oh, man. Jim Rooney, Timmy Rose. Anyway. So, yeah. Just a great feel. Um, okay. So, so um, speaking of, of rude... Uh, things that you can sing to somebody. Let's get in to the notorious third verse of this song. Uh, if you've if you've ever heard the if you've only ever heard the studio version of this song, you're actually missing out on a third verse. There is a third verse to this song, um, and it is basically an alternate version of the second verse. The second verse uh, says. Um, I guess I was wrong. I just don't belong. But then I've been there before. Everything's all right. I'll just say goodnight and I'll show myself to the door. Everything is the same until there. Uh, the original second verse says, I didn't mean to cause a big scene. Just give me an hour and then I'll be as high as that ivory tower that you're living. Okay. Um, so the third verse, Garth took and and said he, he kind of rewrote it, um, to reflect how he thinks he personally probably would have handled the situation if it had actually been him involved and not just a character. Um, and um, it's, I, I, we're, we're running a clean podcast here, so I won't spoil it for you, um, but you can find you can it on his, the glass line. on his double line album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His double live, double live album. You can probably find it on YouTube or performance. Um, but it basically says, um, I didn't mean to cause a big scene. Just wait till I finish this glass and I'll just let you let your imagination run wild with the rest. How about that? Uh, and you can figure out you can figure out the rest, maybe even write your own version uh, for the live live version of Friends in Low Places. Uh, if you were to if you were to give this song, if you were to have a I, I don't even think one to ten is good enough because you might need percentage points. If you had a if you had a scale one to a hundred with one hundred being an absolutely perfect song that there are. No discernible flaws in whatsoever. Uh, get, taking into account here the performance, the recording, the production, everything that goes into it. 
where do you think you might would would write this song? And you write it first, and then I'm gonna be like the whole when you pick a number, you try to get closest to to block someone out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I you know what? If I had to pick from one to a hundred, I I gotta I don't see myself giving this song less than a ninety five. Okay. Uh, and I really, I mean. Minus the minus the one little thing that we just yeah, picked apart that, a minute that, ago that, that about you're living in. I mean that's that that automatically knocks it down to a ninety eight point seven for oh, me, man. which is and I picked that because it's such a good such thing. a negligible thing. I, I mean this song could be a, a borderline ninety eight. There's maybe I you know I don't know honestly if if you sat down and tried to tweak the lyrics. I don't know that you could improve any of Lyrically, them. I'd yeah, I'd I can't find a, a flaw. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, you know. And musically too, I mean chord wise, yeah, just that that ivory tower line. Darn you, Garth. You had a had a yeah. been creeping on a hundred. Just I blame the producer. I am reading the inside liner notes of this because I like to do this while we're sitting and talking here. And actually Al Shaggy Barclay was the bus driver. How about that? No kidding. Dude, I never read that till right now. That's awesome. Shaggy. Good job. Well, he is uh from what I know of him, I do believe that he is boombastic. He is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, it wasn't him. It wasn't. If you're looking for something to, to blame on somebody, don't go talking to Al Shaggy Barclay. <laughs> I did it. it. Wasn't him. I did hear somebody say, I don't know where I really read this or heard somebody when I was talking about this song. They said, it's a depressing song that makes you feel better. Yeah. I thought that's awesome. It really it's is. It's a depressing song that makes you feel so much better. You know, there honestly, if you're going to if you're going to like there should be a there should be a sequel to this song that happens the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, okay, now here's the other side of that. Uh, you know, we went out and we we forgot you completely and we had a blast doing it. Um but then Called we had to go. To, we had to go to work on on I Wednesday, know, right? and uh, mm, maybe maybe regretting some life. And it was one of a kind working on a full horse. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, yeah. And with that, we're going to close out another edition of the Great Song Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Great Song Pod. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you are. Give us a give us a good rating, subscribe, give us some comments, give us some feedback. Let us know what songs you want to hear on the Great Song Podcast. We'll come back and we'll tell you whether it's worthy or not, because we are the kingmakers when it comes to great songs. It ain't a great song until we say it is. We'll see you again next week. I'm Rob. I'm JP. Go listen to some music.